Praise God. Good morning, Hope Elam. It is so good to see you, to worship with you today, whether you're here in the room. It is so good to see your faces uh, today uh, at this service, as well as welcome to the many that are worshiping with us online from a variety of states uh, as well. It is so good to have you here. And as we always say, we believe it is no accident that God has led you here today, and we are praying for you. My name is John, one of the campus pastors here, and I'm excited to dive into God's Word with you today on this Pentecost Sunday. I'm guessing when you woke up this morning, you're like... People, we have to get to church. It's Pentecost. I know that was the first thing that went through your mind. But today, the reason that we had the scripture reading video read in all of those different languages from around uh, the world. Uh, By the way, praise God for our awesome production team for putting that together for us today. That was awesome. That was great. It's perfect. It's very fitting because today we celebrate literally with billions of believers around the world this miraculous event that happened over 2,000 years ago from the book of Acts chapter 2 that was our scripture reading for today when the Holy Spirit descends on the early believers and falls down and comes like a fresh wind with fire, tongues of fire on them and literally is the birth of the church. Not just this church, but every church that has ever existed. And so that video is very fitting today, and I love it. I love it for a variety of reasons, but it is a great reminder for all of us that the Spirit of the living God, the same Holy Spirit that was available that day and fell on the believers at Pentecost, is available to every single one of us today. And that Holy Spirit, that Holy Spirit is not bound to a particular place of time. What I love about seeing all the different nationalities and races and backgrounds is that the spirit of the living God, by the way, is not just American. It's just not European. It's just not Asian. The spirit of the living God is worldwide for us, and his spirit is not bound to a particular race or culture or background or color of your skin or your church background. The spirit of the living God is a worldwide movement that you and I get to be a part of. Amen? And that's what we celebrate on Pentecost. And because of that, we realize that the Holy Spirit is here. He's as close to you as he's ever been today. And the question today is not, is the Holy Spirit present? The question is, is it in you? Is it in you? I was thinking about that question this week. And can anybody tell me, this is quiz time, can you tell me what that's the logo or the saying for? Gatorade, that's right. You've been watching your commercials, that's right. I don't know about you. Any Gatorade fans out there? It's okay. They're not a corporate sponsor of the church or something. Okay. (laughs) I love Gatorade. I've loved Gatorade since I was a little boy, and the reason that I loved it so much is because I wanted to be like Mike, like Michael Jordan drank Gatorade. So if I could be like Mike, and I still want to be like Mike, now it's just I want to be like Michael Hurst. So that's how it's... If I could be like Mike, that's right, there you go. That's right, I love you, brother. So no, not this Mike, but that Mike, because if I, the pastor thing doesn't work out, I'm still, still going to the Bulls. I'm going to work on that. But I wanted to drink Gatorade because I wanted to be like Michael Jordan. If I drank enough Gatorade, I could probably do what he was doing. But the reason I pose that question to you as we start this morning is that is the question that I want you to wrestle with today. Is it in you? I know we talk about the Holy Spirit all the time. I know it's one of those things that we talk about in church that you read about in the Bible. What I want to know, what God wants to know is, is it in you? Not Gatorade, the spirit of the living God. If you were honest with yourself this morning, if you just came in, we're a come-as-you-are type of church, 
And you come and you get honest with yourself and you get honest with God. When is the last time that you've experienced the Holy Spirit in a very real and powerful and personal way? And the reason that I ask that is because we're a very diverse church, and I love that. But because we're a diverse church, there's a variety of backgrounds and experiences when it comes to the Holy Spirit. If you're like me, and you, a lot of you maybe were a part of Lutheran Church of Hope, Des Moines, before we merged, and if you're like me, I'm a third-generation Lutheran pastor's kid, so it's like deep in my bones, okay? Growing up Lutheran, we did hymns. We did, we did the green hymnal book. There was no screen. It was right out of there, choir robes and really good hot dishes in the church basement, but we did not do the Holy Spirit very well. And like, we knew he was there. He's a part of the Trinity, but we didn't talk about the Spirit a lot. For others of you, when you've experienced the Holy Spirit, it's been some like, weird, over-the-top way with strange, annoying Christians. And I don't want to be a strange, annoying Christian. So I'm just going to kind of ignore it. And yet, for others of you on that spectrum, you talked with him this morning. You're experiencing the presence of the Holy Spirit indwelling in you every single day of your life, and you want more. And that's awesome. That's just not everybody's experience. And so it seems like, because we have a variety of backgrounds, when I observe a lot of people and look at myself, I'm often falling into one of two ditches when it comes to the Holy Spirit. We'll unpack who the Holy Spirit is in just a little bit. But we kind of fall into one of these two extremes. We either forget it or we force it. And they both are equally as dangerous. We either forget about it, we say, well, I, I, I get that there's other parts of the Trinity, like Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? We worship one God in three persons. Everybody say, one God. One God, one faith, one Lord, one baptism. One God, but in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the three parts of the Trinity. I get God the Father. He was the creator. I, I get that. I get God the Son and Jesus because he came and lived and walked among us. People could talk to him, and we have the accounts in God's word. We know who Jesus was. But the Holy Spirit, like, some people call him the Holy Ghost. King James Version has the Holy Ghost, and I don't really like ghosts. So I don't want a part of that. And is, is the Holy Spirit some weird mystical spirit that's going to get control of me? And I don't want that because I kind of like to be in control of my own life. And so I'm just going to kind of push it off to the side and I'll just stick with God and Jesus. Kind of avoid this weird Holy Spirit thing. Well, the problem with that is that we can't because the Spirit of the living God is all over God's Word. On the other side, the equally dangerous ditch is that we force it. And what we do is that we try to put boundaries and limitations and preferences on things that God has never put boundaries and limitations and preferences on. We can become modern-day Pharisees. Let me explain. In Jesus' day, the Pharisees were the religious leaders of the day. And one of the things Jesus had his reserved his harshest criticism, get this, for the religious people, and so if you've had a bad church experience and you're just coming back to church and you're checking out this Hope Elam thing, like, I don't feel like a very churchy person and I have a hard time with religious people. So did Jesus. So you're in really good company. And we want you to follow him, okay? And the reason that Jesus had such a struggle with the religious elite of the day is because they were putting God in a box and then Jesus showed up, literally the, the presence of the Holy Spirit in flesh. They didn't know what to do with him. Because Jesus wouldn't confine himself to their man-made box. It's one of our values that we have as a church is that we worship God, not tradition. And the Pharisees had it flip-flopped. They, they had it around. And so whenever we put limitations on things that God never put them on, it's called legalism. 
and we become modern-day Pharisees. So if you don't sing a song in a certain way, or if you don't pray in a certain way, or do Bible study in a certain way, or maybe the preacher doesn't preach in a certain way, or I didn't get baptized in a certain way, and this church didn't do an altar call the way that I grew up with it, and you didn't say the sinner's prayer exactly right, and, and you're, you're not doing it the right way. Can, I, can we just be honest for a second? I'm preaching to myself here too. A lot of times when we say you're not doing something in church the right way, by right we mean what's your experience or my experience, what I'm comfortable with, and we just slap the label of right on it because that's what I'm comfortable with and that's what I feel like is spirit-filled or spirit-led. And what I want to challenge you with today is to think about this. If the spirit of the living God was big enough and powerful enough to create the galaxies, to create billions of stars, to create billions of people before you, during you, and will after you, long after you and I are gone, if he was powerful enough to become a tiny infant baby, to be born of a virgin, to live and die and defeat sin, death, and the power of hell, to start a worldwide movement called Christianity that has grown exponentially for 2,000 years, if he's big enough and powerful enough to bring two very diverse and different churches together under the one banner of Jesus Christ, then don't you think the Holy Spirit is big enough and more powerful than your preferences? Amen? So we got to be very, very careful. Instead, what we're going to discover today, I've said it once and I'll say it again. Being spirit-led, we got to be careful with the way we talk. We got to be careful with the language that we use and make sure that we're grounding it in God's word. I don't see anything in here about spirit-led being a style of worship, a style of preaching, what you say when you pray. Spirit-led isn't about a style. It's about surrender. It's about the substance of who we worship. And there's a lot of different ways that you can worship. I will tell you this, I have been a part of spirit-led worship that is very quiet with two people on a stage. I have been a part of spirit-led worship with a green hymnal and belting out hymns with people that are three times my age. And it's spirit-filled, let me tell you. I have been in Pentecostal churches and Baptist churches and Vineyard churches and Foursquare churches and Lutheran churches and get this, <gasps> Catholic churches that are spirit-filled because there is one God. How many gods? One God, one spirit, one faith, one Lord, one baptism. And the same spirit that's there is here. So let's not become modern day Pharisees and let's surrender our hearts. I've heard it said this way and I like this. It's God's job to judge. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. And it's our job to love. Amen? So we get that mixed up. And when it comes to what's spirit-filled and spirit-led, we can become Pharisees and start being the judge. You're not the judge. There's one judge, and that is the God that created you, that knows every human heart. And it is not your job to go around putting people in boxes. Your job is to love. Your job is to serve. Your job is to surrender your heart daily. That's what spirit-filled means. Jesus puts it this way to, when he's speaking of the new thing that God wants to do in our 
heart. So Jesus uses the example in Matthew chapter 9 of wineskins. Now this might be kind of hard for us to understand a couple thousand years later. Did anybody get your wineskins filled up before you came to worship this morning? Everybody get your wine in the new wineskins? Okay, but you got your Starbucks filled up. I know that, right? So we understand this. Nobody pours new Starbucks into an old Starbucks, right? You don't have your Vente or your Grande. Well, I'll just use this. It's kind of warped and stained, but I'll pour some new coffee in. No, you don't do that. Jesus says the same way. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. For if they do, the skins will burst. The wine will run out, and don't cry over spilt wine, will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour what? New wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. In other words, Jesus is saying, Hope Elam is a brand new wineskin. And God is doing something brand new, right? God is doing something brand new and he's pouring out his Holy Spirit. He's pulling up, pouring out new, fresh wine. Some of you are like, really? Where's it at? Um, couple weeks, communion. You can come back for seconds. It's fine. God says, I'm pouring out this new wine, this new, fresh wine. Uh, anointing of my spirit, and here's the reality, the gut check for some of us. Some of us are trying to catch the new wine that Jesus is pouring out called Hope Elam, and we're using old wineskins. You're never going to catch the new wine that Jesus is pouring out if you're trying to catch it with the old wineskins and hold it with your old preferences and your old habits and your old ideas and your old differences and your own opinions of what things used to be like. Jesus says, it will not Hold, and you're going to miss the amazing things that Jesus is doing ahead of us if you're constantly looking back. Amen? Amen. New wine, new wineskins. God is doing a new thing. Jesus says, behold, I am making all things, Bible readers, new. New, not right according to you. In fact, in these past several months, our worship team, uh, since we merged about six months ago, our worship team has been doing some songs that you might notice if you were a part of Hope Des Moines, you were like, oh yeah, that's one of our songs. That was a Hope Des Moines song, and that's great, and some people are familiar with it. Others of you noticed like, oh, I'm not familiar with that, but if you were a part of Elam Christian Fellowship, you might, oh, that's a song that I really like because I'm familiar with that one, and that's fine. But today we are doing something brand new, and you might notice in the songs we did and the song we're going to do later in the service, has never been done before. You're like, oh, that's new. We've never heard... It's new for everybody. We've literally never done it before, and that's one of the bonuses of being a new church. It's new for everybody. There is no old wineskins anymore, but we're building some new wineskins, and today we're calling that Project 33.3. It's very creative, and I'm not going to claim that. Jed came up with that, uh, our worship leader, Project 33.3, because God is doing something new. And so, For the next several months, our worship team has been working tirelessly behind the scenes and that we are going to unleash 20 to 30 new songs that are not Hope Des Moines songs and they're not Elam songs. They are Hope Elam songs together, okay? It's a new thing. And this Project 33 is based off of Psalm 33.3. Let's read it nice and loud together. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully. And shout for joy. We're going to leave the playing skillfully part to the people up here on the stage. And you and I will take care of singing the new song. God is doing something 
new. And I am so thankful. You have no idea. We're two very different churches that came together with two very different worship styles. And these guys have made it look easy. So Jed and Kyle and Emma and the rest of our worship team, praise God for the work that they've done behind the scenes. Absolutely. And so when it comes to experiencing the Holy Spirit, these are the ditches we want to avoid. On the one hand, we don't want to forget about it and dismiss it. And on the other hand, we don't want to force it and force our opinions and preferences on what it's like for others. Instead, I believe that Jesus invites us to a third way today, as he often does. The world often says, you got to be this way or this way, and you got to hate the person on the other side. Well, I don't agree with you, so therefore I must hate you. Jesus says, not so with you, follower of Jesus. There is a third way, and we call it being naturally supernatural. Naturally supernatural. Everybody say naturally Say supernatural. Oh, say it like you mean it. Say supernatural. What do we mean by that? We mean that we are people right here in Des Moines, Iowa in 2021 that are experiencing on a daily basis, this is our prayer and our desire for you as a church, that we would be people that are experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit every day, that it is a normal, natural thing for us to pray for healing, to experience signs and wonders, to utilize and be empowered by the gifts of the Spirit, to pray for people, to experience the power of Jesus on a regular basis, but have it be so real and authentic that I don't have to become somebody I'm not. I'm going to be who God's created me, and the Holy Spirit working in my life is going to be the natural overflow of who God created me to be. The goal is that, that somebody would look at your life and say, wow, what is it about that person? Like God is moving and working in their life and he, God is using them and doing things through them that I don't understand. And yet you are the most authentic person I've ever met. Wouldn't that be awesome? You're not trying to, to be loud and boisterous or be somebody that you're not. You're just being you. That's the message of the Holy Spirit, Bible readers, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, right? Freedom for you to be you. You do you and whatever that looks like. I've met some people that their experience of the Holy Spirit is very loud and demonstrative, and that's fine, and that's great, as long as we're respecting those around us. And for other people, some of the most Spirit-filled people I know worship in silence, and they hear God whispering to them, and they experience God most powerfully in their chair with a coffee and their Bible, and they just listen for the whispers of the Holy Spirit, also biblical. Don't put God in a box. We want to be naturally supernatural. And yet some of you are kind of wondering, so John, great, I, I want to experience that, but I, I don't know much about the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? So what we're going to do is we're going to do a little Bible study. We're going to take a jet tour through the Bible here for a couple minutes. We're going to start in Genesis. We're going to go all the way to Revelation. I'll get you out of here by about 4 o'clock. Is that okay? <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, but we are going to do a little Bible study, and we're going to start at the beginning. Who is the Holy Spirit? Not what. Notice I said who? And we're going to go all the way back to the beginning to Genesis chapter 1. And you might have missed it. I think you missed it. You've read this story hundreds of times. Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and empty. And then get this. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the what? The Spirit of God. Just, just God and Jesus were there. No, 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 no. The Spirit of God was there hovering over the waters. I love that image. So what do we learn from this? Is that the Holy Spirit is one of three members of the Trinity. One God, three persons. The Holy Spirit was there at 
creation. Contrary to what my parents have sometimes joked with me, or some of you that maybe were a part of the Jesus movement with the long hair and the hippie thing going on in the 70s, I hate to break it to you, but the Holy Spirit showed up a little bit before the 70s, okay? He was there at creation. He's a member of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is not a junior varsity God. Like, well, there's God and Jesus. They're like the real deals. And then like little junior Holy Spirit is over here. No, he's fully God, just like Jesus and God. Some will say, okay, John, so the Holy Spirit, I thought he was just like a New Testament thing. Well, actually, a great way of understanding the Spirit of God was all throughout the Old Testament. Here's a great way of understanding it. The Holy Spirit in the Old Testament came to particular people at particular times with particular tasks. So instead, like it is now where it's poured out for all people, it came to specific people, whether it was Moses or a particular task or Gideon or even Queen Esther and many, many more, God's people experienced the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But it wasn't until the Father makes this promise, God the Father makes this promise in Ezekiel chapter 36. Take a look at this. It's amazing. God says, I will give you a new heart and put a what? A new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone. Stop right there. Um, That's some of us today. It is entirely possible to come to worship every single week to be a Christian your entire life and never open up your heart. Some of you, instead of a fertile, soft ground for God's word today, like the soft dirt or the soft soil, your heart's more like concrete. It's like a sidewalk, and I can preach my lungs out up here, but it's not going to make one difference because there is only one power that is strong enough to break through a hardened heart, and that is the love of Jesus Christ that can soften the hardest of hearts. And that's what God says, is I will give you a heart of flesh. I can make your heart soft like a sponge. I will put my what? My spirit in you, and I will move you to follow my decrees. And so this is an incredible promise. Instead of just Bible heroes or Moses or Gideon or Joshua or Esther or whatever it was, it's now for everybody. And as a good father, God keeps his promise, and that brings us to our reading today from Acts 2. Jesus has come back from the dead. The followers of Jesus are all gathered together in one place, and we read, then would look like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. After this, Peter stands up to preach. It was about an hour long because they had breakfast for everybody afterwards, and he got done. Just kidding. And then they asked, what should we do? Believe and be baptized, and they're cut to the heart, and Peter says this in his sermon from The old prophet Joel, chapter 2, who says, I will pour out my spirit upon what? All people. All people. And next what we discover is this, that the Holy Spirit was present at creation. He was promised by the Father. And finally, he's available to all. And by all, we mean all. Everybody say all. All. Not just some people. Not just pastors. Not just church staff. Not just people that pray in a certain way or pray like you. All people. All people. Speaking of all people, a couple weeks ago, the ladies were up here preaching, my wife being one of them. Speaking of the Spirit being for all people, right? So thankful for that. Some of you, this is what she said, and I feel like God was speaking through her in this moment. Some of you have been believing and speaking self-deprecating thoughts over your life for years and calling it humility. Especially when it comes to the type of Christian you are. 
I'm not a pastor. I'm not on a church staff. I'm new to this whole thing. I'm not one of those wild and crazy Holy Spirit Christians. What other kind of Christian is there, by the way? And we, down, we, we just we downplay ourselves and we're constantly speaking down. I could never pray like that. I could never be a prayer partner. I could never lead a Bible study. I could never lead a small group. I, I, God's given me a voice, but I could never be on the worship team. God's made me a technical person. I could never serve on the product. I could never do that. Oh, yes, he can, because it's never been about you. It's never been about you. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, neighbor, it's not about you. Tell him that right now. It's not about you. One of my favorite things, Pastor Hurst and I talk about this a lot, one of our favorite things is that when we go visit somebody, we go to somebody's house, we're labeled to go back into the hospitals now, we get there and we show up and guess who's already there? Their small group. They've already been there and I say, great, see ya. And I walk, no, I don't do that. But I stay and I go, wow, this is amazing. Why? Because the church is being the church. That's what we say at the end of every service every week. Go and let the pastors do it all. No, 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 no. This is an all play, folks. I will pour out my spirit on all people. And some of you grew up in a church where the show happened on the stage and ended in an hour on Sunday morning. And that is so sad because we are robbing you of the gift of the Holy Spirit that God has given to you to go and be the church. We're just up here to give you a word and say, go be who God's created you to be. You are the church and the Holy Spirit goes with you. You are not junior Christians. Go and be the church. The same spirit lives in you that lived in Billy Graham or Dr. King or Mother Teresa. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in you today. And if you've been going to church your whole life and you think that it resides just on the stage or the worship leader, you are mistaken. That power lives in you today. Go and be the church. Now, where is the Holy Spirit? And that flows right into that. It goes with you wherever you go. My kids were asking this when they were four and six, and every night before she went to bed, my little four-year-old Evie would constantly ask me, Daddy, where is God? I don't get, I, I know he's real, but I can't see him. And I say, honey, have you ever seen the wind? Well, no. I said, do you see the effects of what the wind does? Well, yeah. So it is with your God. It is so real. I've never seen the wind, but I've seen the effects of the wind, right? And so I try to teach them with actions because they're both like, where is God? I can't see him. How do I know that he's real? And so I just taught him these actions. He's in here and he's everywhere. And so sometimes they'll say, daddy, where's God? And I just go, he's everywhere, okay? So if you see a couple pastor's kids around here and if they're going up to their friends going, they're mine, they're not crazy. They're just telling you a deep theological statement about the Trinity, okay? So that's what they're doing. He's, and because he's everywhere, David says in Psalm 139, where can I go from your presence? I, I can't go anywhere. And that flies right in the face of the way that most Christians live their lives. I'm going to do my church thing on Sunday morning for an hour, and then I'm going to go live my normal life. But time out, wait a minute. If the presence of the Holy Spirit is in you and everywhere, that means he's on the bleachers at the ball game. That means that he's in your car as you're driving to work. That means he's in the middle of that argument that you had in your car on the way to church this morning. He's already there. He's there when you're hanging out with your non-Christian friends. He's there when you're doing things you shouldn't have, probably convicting you. So good luck with that. He's there with you all the time. Wherever you go, there is no sacred and secular if you're a follower of Jesus because everything is spiritual. You never, never escape from the presence of God. So he is everywhere. So he's everywhere and he's in here. One of the things that I love 
that I love about looking at the original languages in the Bible is you discover things that open up these new depths to God. And believe it or not, the Bible was not written in, in English. It was not originally written in the King James Version, for those of you that grew up on that. The Bible was written in Greek. And the Greek word for spirit is pneuma. Everybody say pneuma. Pneuma has two main meanings. Spirit and the breath of life. Wouldn't it be just like the God that created you? To create you in such a way that the only way that you can live is by breathing in and breathing out his presence. Some of you feel so disconnected to God after this last year. I talked to some of you this morning. This is your first time back in church. Some of you are online right now and you say, I feel so far away. Could it be that God is as close to you today as the pneuma, the breath that fills your lungs? Never, ever doubt how close God is to you. He's the one filling your breath with your lungs with breath. He's closer to you than you could ever imagine. And that's what Jeremy, a member of our Hope Elam family here, experienced a few years ago. He shared his story with us, and I want to share a little bit of that today. Like many of you struggled to experience the power of the Holy Spirit, experienced some pain, some difficulty, some valleys in his life, until one day, as God often does, surprise, shows up with the power of his Holy Spirit right in the middle of your mess. Take a look. A few years ago, I had just gotten divorced. We had just signed the papers. Didn't feel the energy to go to work, so I went and sat down on this empty park bench. I remember watching people walk around thinking, wonder if their lives are falling apart or if their lives are put together. Just wondering if they knew how much pain I was in. I was so, I was so inward focused and self, selfish at that time. Noticed this old guy, um, it looked like he was homeless, his clothes were dirty, so he came up, sat down next to me, and I sort of turned away from him, didn't even look at him. And when he was talking, I remember just this feeling of heat transfer from him to the bench and over to me. I was just overwhelmed by this sense of peace and feeling like things were gonna be okay. So I turned to look at this, this man who had changed everything about my disposition in that moment. And he, he got up to leave, he said, have a great day. I said, thanks you too. And as he walked away, I just felt this sense of, of loss. I wanted him to come back. I was just longing for him to sit there next to me. I just remember thinking that, I think Jesus just came up and sat down next to me, um, saw my pain, saw my frustration, saw my hurt and my brokenness, and just showed up and changed it in an instant, changed me. Um, and I think that was the, one of the first seeds of faith that, that Jesus planted in my heart. So I handed him everything at once. I was basically, if I were to describe it, I was at the bottom of a hole and Jesus let me know all their alternatives and said, are you ready to come my direction? And I said, yes. From now on, I'm, I'm, I'm following your directions. I'm following your definition of what it is to love people. Um, your definition of what it means to serve people. I literally feel as if Jesus removed blindness from my eyes. 
gave me a new heart. Before my life, I used to serve only me. Um, if I did any service, it was so that I could get time off of work and uh, use my time selfishly. And since I've let Jesus into my heart, um, it's completely transformed the way that I serve with the pure heart, you know, so there's no selfish motivation behind it. Spent a lot of time volunteering with children's ministry, helping out with vacation Bible school. I love the music. Uh, I love to kind of lose myself in a moment of just re-handing my life to God, um, re-handing everything over to Jesus and saying, it's yours, and thanking Him. It's really kind of a, uh, a prayer, a worship, uh, worship prayer of thanksgiving for all that God has done in my life, all that Jesus has done in my heart since I gave my life over to Him, and um, so I can't thank Him enough. Praise God for Jeremy's story, absolutely. I love you, brother. Thank you for letting us share a part of your story. We love it that you're a part of our community here. I love, I love Jeremy for a couple reasons as a brother in Christ. Number one is every time that my kids see him walking through the hallways, they run up and go, Daddy, I think Jesus is here. No, hate to break your butt. Jesus was unfortunately not white. Uh, not, not white. Um, but we still love you, Jeremy. Um, the other thing I love about Jeremy is that he is real. He is authentic. And he has this powerful experience with the Holy Spirit that's not, Wah! he's just being him. And he's experiencing Jesus through his own personality and his own authentic self and the way that God created him. And it's so legit. It's so real. And, and so many of us think that, well, I, maybe the, I'm not experiencing the Holy Spirit because I didn't raise my hands at worship today and I didn't get those warm fuzzies and those goosebumps or those chills everybody talks about, so I must be less spiritual. Nothing could be further from the truth. The Bible does address feelings, but way more than feelings that they get overdone and over-discussed. Way more than feelings of the Spirit, God's Word points us to the fruit of the Spirit. This is how we know that the Holy Spirit is working in our lives. What does the Holy Spirit do? It bears fruit in our lives. If your life is filled with love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and gentleness and self-control, that's the Holy Spirit working inside of you. But at the same time, what I love about Jeremy's story is that Spirit-filled meant getting over himself. Sometimes we do, well, love, joy, peace, patience. Okay, I read the Bible, I get that. Nope, sometimes being spirit-filled means getting over yourself and learning to look for the needs of others first instead of yourself. Sometimes being spirit-filled means being uh, less judgmental and speaking life over people. Sometimes being spirit-filled is being less of a critic and a constant complainer and instead encouraging your brothers and sisters. That's what it means to be spirit-filled as well. What I love about Jeremy's story is that all of a sudden the spirit Spirit moves serving and loving and inviting from a I have to to a I get to. It's not a got to, it's a get to. Sign up for VBS and dance like a wild man in front of a thousand kids. Sign me up for that. That's great. And you know what I mean? That's his thing. What's your thing? What's your thing when you get filled up by the Holy Spirit and it gives you that nudge? Well, I could do that. I could serve in that way. And nothing up here on this stage is more important than any other way that you might serve at this church. Some of our most faithful, spirit-filled people will never get any recognition because that's not why they're doing it. 
because their reward is living for an audience of one. And that's what I love about Jeremy. He's just doing it. He's just being himself. What if being spirit-filled wasn't about praying fancy words and it was about the quality of your love? That whenever people are done meeting with you, I've never felt so loved. That person's filled with the Holy Spirit. And secondly, the Spirit not only bears fruit in our lives, it brings passion for Jesus and his mission. Back to the story in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit comes like the wind and like a fire, and it sets people on fire with God's love. And then what do they do? The rest of Acts 2, they sit around and talk about how spiritual and great and how self-righteous they are, right? No! They go, as Pastor Hurst reminded us last week, they go and make disciples. They start living and serving and inviting and loving. And it says they had a great reputation with outsiders. The early church was known for one thing. All the unchurched people couldn't wait to be a part of it. Because nobody loves like the church. Nobody serves like the church. There was a stickiness to the church that I want to be a part of that. I'm not going to put in my time on Sunday morning. I can't wait to get there because I experienced something here that I can't get out there. And I'm going to take what I receive in here and I'm going to go bring it out there. That's what it means to be spirit-filled. The Holy Spirit comes. That When you experience the spirit, it's never for you to sit around in your self-righteousness. When you experience the Holy Spirit, it's always for the blessing of somebody else. The Holy Spirit brings passion for Jesus. It guides us in truth. It gives us spiritual gifts for to, you to be empowered and to use for the church. And last but not least, it brings power. You will receive power. Everybody say power. Power. Power, power to heal. Power to change lives. And power to do and experience what you're all experiencing right now. The power to break down walls. The power to break down barriers intentions, hatred that the world says will always be there. And I get so tired and I get so weary this last year of the naysayers. It'll never work. It's too many racists. This whole Hope Elam thing is just a crazy experiment. It'll never work. And I will tell you, there are times that I doubted myself or I doubted us because we're imperfect human beings. But the reason I have hope and the reason I have never been more confident that God's spirit is in this place, that God is moving in this place, is because the success of this church and any church and God's mission has never been about us. And there is one power that has the ability to break down those walls, and it is the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? That's where we put our hope. That's where we put our trust. And that's what we cling to today, to break down those barriers, to the Holy Spirit get a hold of us just like it did in this last clip I want to show you, and we'll land here today. The film came out several years ago called Woodlawn. You should watch the whole thing sometime. It's incredible. It tells the story of the famous Woodlawn High School football team and their coach, get this, his name, Tandy Geralds. It's a great name, very odd name, but it's a great name, and he's a coach of a very, very good football team that is made primarily up of black young men that are completely different than him. In a very diverse town, he finds himself as the leader on the school and the football team, and he's caught in the middle of it, and for most of the movie, he's got a heart of stone. For most of the movie, <laughs> he's racist. For most of the movie, he wants nothing to do with the love of Jesus Christ. And as the Holy Spirit often does, 
with intentional, consistent love from his players that couldn't be more different than him. The spirit of the living God humbles him. And in this final scene of the movie, finds himself at church with this diverse crowd. And watch what happens and how you have to respond. How you have to respond when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you. Take a look. Yes, you can give God praise for a movie clip. Absolutely. You bet. When the Holy Spirit moves in your heart, don't wait. Don't resist it. Don't push back. What God's been wanting to do in and through you for a long time. And some of you have been coming and you've been going through the motions for way too long. Stand on the outskirts of Christianity. Dipping your toes but never jumping all the way in. When the Holy Spirit moves, we have to respond. In a very personal way, what I love about that clip is the, very, the look at the end. When you're a dad, you catch these things. The look that he gets from his eight-year-old son, of which I have, who is watching his dad saying, hmm, I wonder what it means to be a man. I wonder, I wonder what it means to follow Jesus. Ah, but I have a daddy that got over himself finally and humbled himself to learn to love and receive the love of people that look differently than him. And I've got an eight-year-old son that's watching what we're doing here and watching his dad be loved in incredible ways by another pastor that looks nothing like his dad, that is from a completely different part of the country, that does things completely different than him. And there's a reason that every time my kids see Pastor Hurst, they, they leave me and they run to him. So thank you for loving me, brother. Thank you for loving our church. You can't, you can't fake real. You can't fake real and the Holy Spirit is real. Amen. And this little boy in this clip is watching his dad be baptized by this black pastor that he's hated for most of the movie and hated everything about that culture and that race. And now he's humbling himself to say that I'm going to learn to be loved and love people that don't look like me. And most importantly, I'm going to humble myself so that you can see, my son, that there is nothing more important in this life than having a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the greatest gift, parents, that you can give to your kids. Grandparents, it's the greatest gift you can give to your grandkids. It's the greatest gift we can give to each other. So when the Holy Spirit moves, you have to respond. And that's what happened at Pentecost. And that same spirit is here today. Peter gets up and gives a sermon. It says it cuts people to the heart. They have to respond. And they say, brothers, what must we do? And they say, repent. Turn around from the way that you've been living. Disconnected from the church. Walking along the outside. Not being filled with the Holy Spirit. Not living for Jesus every day. Repent. Turn around and be baptized. Go all in with Jesus. Put your identity in him. Repent 
and be baptized. And so we were just thinking this weekend, this kind of happened at the first service, and it is undeniable that the Holy Spirit is here right now. He's, he's so close to you, and we want to give you that opportunity to respond. And so we've never done this before in the history of Hope Elam, but you know what? We've never really done anything before in the history of Hope Elam, so this is great. Well, we haven't done it that way before. Well, we've never done it that way before. So get over it, because we worship God, not tradition. Amen? And so what we're going to do here in a little bit is my brother is going to come up, and Pastor Hurst and I are just going to be up here. And we've got some bowls or something from the kitchen, and we have invented a COVID-friendly baptism system uh, that these ladies have come up with, and it's amazing. And if you have never been baptized before, or you were baptized a long ago and you can't remember it, or you want to do it again, we're going to affirm your baptism. And notice I said affirm, I didn't say redo, because God, doesn't God didn't mess up. God doesn't make mistakes. You're not a has-been, you're not a should-have-been, you're not a would-have-been, you're a will-be, you're a could-be. And God is calling you into a new identity and a new future. God loves you so much, and he wants to give you the gift of his Holy Spirit today. He wants to welcome you into his family. And at the first service, there were some people that came up that are twice my age that had never been baptized before. And I said, welcome home. Praise God. Welcome home. And if you're too nervous to come up, grab the person next to you because they're probably too nervous too and say, let's go up together. Let's do it. And so just come on up and we're going to do it. We're going to just take some water, one bowl at a time, one dish of water at a time for every person. If you want to come up for the first time or to affirm your baptism, what God did long ago, and we're just going to sprinkle some water over your head. And it's the, it, it, the method doesn't matter. It's the promise of God. It's not about how we do it. It's about what's happening. The, the Spirit of God is here today. We're going to sprinkle some water in your head and we're going to baptize you or affirm your baptism in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we're going to tell you just how much God loves you. And so you can come to either side up here. We'll have prayer partners up here uh, as well. And what we're going to do is the band's going to come forward, and they're going to lead us in the final song. They found out about this a few minutes ago as well. It's going to be great. And they're going to lead us in the final song. And as they're doing that, we invite you to stand for that song and then stick around, if you would, and clap and celebrate your brothers and sisters in Christ that are affirming their faith or putting their faith in Jesus for the first time. This is why we exist as a church, not to go for an hour on Sunday morning, but to see lives changed. And that's what we're going to do today, okay? Being baptized is simply saying, I want to get my life connected to Jesus. I am in Christ. It's literally what it means to be a Christian. To identify under the water in his death and to rise again. What happens to Jesus happens to you. If you've been united in a death like his, certainly you'll be reunited united in a resurrection like his. You are brand new. And if you want a fresh start today to get reconnected, come on up. Let's stand together. Let's worship. Stick around. Cheer on your church family. Come on up. Receive the goodness of God.